This is Brand and New from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. So I would like to thank the law firm OneWeda IP for being the sponsor of this episode of Brand and New. Welcome to Brand and New, I am Audrey Dove. Global sales of counterfeits are growing at a furious 15% each year and have reached over 1.82 trillion in 2020, with e-commerce making up more than a quarter of that, according to the Global Brand Counterfeiting Report. The rise of digital channels facilitating the sale and purchase of consumer goods has indeed fueled a rapid increase in trade of counterfeit products around the world. While we usually discuss the issue of counterfeiting in the context of large international groups with extensive brands portfolio, in practice, smaller brands may also be the targets and victims of this crime with very high costs for their business in the short and long run. What are the risks for the revenue, the business, the brand associated with counterfeiting as it comes to small businesses? What can be done to prevent fakes and to fight them after they appear on the market. Our guest today is an expert in brand protection and practical anti-counterfeiting strategies, especially as applied to SMEs. Philippe Van Ecoute is the founder and CEO of Contratac Plasro IP Anti-Counterfeiting, where he develops and implements, on behalf of his clients, the most impactful strategies to overcome counterfeiting-related issues with a focus on serving SMEs. Prior to founding Contratac 15 years ago, Philippe worked for the luxury giant LVMH as their APAC anti-counterfeiting coordinator and French company BIC as IP manager. Philippe, thank you so much for joining us today on Brand and New. Most welcome, Audrey. Are there certain types of businesses particularly vulnerable to counterfeiting? Well, generally speaking, in order to be counterfeited, a product needs to have commercial success or being so innovative that other companies put their hands on it. So to speak, all businesses can be impacted by fake products. However, if you are a one product company, the existence of fake products can put your company existence in total predicament and could disappear. And to limit the risk of having uh, to deal with infringement, prevention is obviously an option to consider very seriously. Uh, with a small budget and limited human resources, could you explain us what the steps a small company, a small business can take uh, to prevent counterfeiting? Um, this is a very good question. Of course, it's something that you have to, to think about uh, very carefully. Because at, at the end of the day, even if budget-wise would be limited, you, you will need to, to basically involve some people or spending some time. But the first thing to do is really to use open source data on the internet. This is a very good start. For instance, if you, you want to use a supplier, the first thing to do is really to check the background of the supplier, especially if the supplier is in foreign countries or in, in, a, in a region where you know that fake products are quite uh, often manufactured. So checking the background with all information that you can get on the internet is first things to do. A lot of information are really free of charge. You can, you can grab a lot about companies and people. 
in terms of marketing, you, you need to be careful about what you are going to do, what you are going to advertise, more particularly if it's a new launch of a new product. My advice, of course, it's sometimes difficult to do, but my advice is not to show everything to the market. The, the counterfeiters are really reactive and more you show, more you will be able to have product imitated yours in the marketplace very quickly. So the best things to do is probably to try to keep as secret as possible some part of the product before you launch it. And of course, legally speaking, you need to heavily rely on non-disclosure agreement before showing anything to anyone. And of course, key is the protection of your intellectual property rights before entering any new market. Maybe, uh, Philippe, do you have an example of an SME? You find that uh, they have, uh, let's say, follow well these different steps? I work with a lot of universities. These universities are generally or try to find partnership in order to develop inventions. Before doing that, they, they come back to me and saying, well, we have been approached by such and such companies. And can you do a kind of due diligence investigation in order to be sure that the person we are dealing with are, are quite okay? So the first step we do for this type of client is indeed to, to conduct this due diligence investigation and only using open source data. So uh, we, of course, we are not uh, doing any illegal search about these people. And then when everyone agrees that the, the company is okay, then the next step is really to, to start discussing the next step, which is the, the non-disclosure agreement with these guys. It's a contract, so a discussion can, can vary from one company to another. But at the end of the day, uh, it's beneficial for, for both parties. And of course, the idea for the universities at the end of the day, when the invention will be developed in a commercial manner or in an industrial manner, the idea for the, for the university to, is to have this company as a licensee of their patent. So, so once again, it's a, it's a really interesting approach and uh, can, can be a win-win situation. Uh, what what universities are doing can be applied to SMEs when they are developing new type of products. So it's uh, it's really something that you, you need to think about. What about market monitoring and investigations? In other words, how can a small company have an eye on what is happening across the internet and <laughs> across the globe, actually? First, information and gathering information is... Uh, after protection of your intellectual property rights is really the second pillar of an efficient anti-counterfeiting fight. Without information, you will not be able to act. So even if I understand that checking internet can be very time-consuming, and with the various languages, sometimes can be totally impossible, but you can put in place very easy things like... Uh, using alerts by keywords on some search engines in various languages. So you can check what is going on with a specific type of product or, or with your brand, and, and you will not be overwhelmed of information which are not interesting necessarily what you are looking for. You also need to rely on the human resources of your company. Uh, including also your distributors, your suppliers, 
because these people are the ears and the eyes of the company. And, and at the end of the day, it is really free of charge information when it comes to, to budget. Just let me give you one example. I got one a client which was manufacturing glasses for perfume. And um, they were using a, a big machine provided by one supplier located in France. And this supplier one day called my client and say, well, I have a Chinese client and they want to see uh, the, the new machine that uh, we have, uh, we have uh, installed in your, in your premises. And they say, would you agree to that? And then the client called me and said, well, what do you think? What should I do? I said, certainly not. I said, never, never, never show your manufacturing process. But please try to get the information from your suppliers about who these guys are, which has been done. And based on this information, we have conducted an investigation in China and found out that these guys were, were manufacturing fake products. Wow. And, and in fact, they wanted basically to improve their process in order to, to make more, better or better fake products. So, so this type of information is free and can be really, really useful. And, and finally, if you, if you have the chance to have a consumer outline with that type of information, you can collect quite a lot of news concerning the existence of fake products. Because the, if a consumer is uh, purchasing a product and complain about the quality of it, of course, it can be a, an internal problem of manufacturing, but sometimes and most of the time it's because he has purchased a fake product without knowing that it was a fake product. So this also about provide you a lot of information and gives you some indication about the existence of fake products in one particular market. Is it worth, based on your experience, investing in customer education to help them detect and ignore fakes? Or is it too demanding a strategy for SMEs? Yeah, customers can be a very good source of information. But it's quite difficult to really ask them to be part of the anti-counterfeiting fight there. What I generally suggest, and if it is possible, it's to maybe use a professional association, regrouping member having common issue, because uh, this helps in terms of communication, in terms of uh, lobbying with the authorities or with the, the consumer, because you are always stronger when you are uh, not alone. So. Of course, members of this type of association will certainly be competitors, but when it comes to defending your rights, you can be united. And if you are really alone, if you really want doing one, one particular thing alone, then of course you can use part of your website to warn consumer and give some tricks, uh, not all of course, but uh, giving some tricks to recognize fake and genuine products. So communication with consumer, it's quite difficult, but if you are ready to do it, then do it properly. An anti-counterfeiting strategy does not stop with prevention and monitoring, uh, naturally, since its main raison d'être is precisely that the company concerned has already faced counterfeiting at some point. Uh, could you walk us through the different steps that somehow need to happen when counterfeiting goods are identified on the market in order to stop them? Sure. As I already mentioned, uh, Audrey, the first step is really to protect your right. So that's the key. And the second one is, is to collect information. But once you have the, these two pillars in place, then you can really prepare your strategy for action because each company is different, each product is different, and 
here again, your strategy will really depend on, on the type of product we are talking about and, of course, of your budget. So you, you have to rely on a methodology, which is the one I propose. It's not, not the only one, of course, but I just will to explain that to you. All the information that you will, you will have can be summarized in a pyramid. The base of the pyramid will be what you see. So uh, the retailers, uh, internet sellers, everything you can see in the market. The second level of the pyramid is the wholesaler, the distributor, the importer, the exporter. The third level is the finished product manufacturer. The fourth level will be the raw material manufacturer. And depending on the rights you have, you can conduct action more at the top of the pyramid than at the bottom. If you have, for instance, a patent of invention concerning preparation of raw material, then you can probably try to target the raw material manufacturer. Because if you target the raw material manufacturer, then the manufacturer of the finished products will not be able to get this raw material. And of course, if there is no manufacturer, there is no sales. So more you climb at the top of the pyramid, better it is in terms of antique counterfeiting fight, because you will avoid the products going down to the bottom of the pyramid. Of course, it's easy to say, but it's, it's really something that will help you to define your strategy. When you have drawn your pyramid, you need to ask yourself, well, what is the most important for me? Do I need to focus on what I see at the base of the pyramid? Like, for instance, in the luxury or the fashion industry, where brand images is the most important. So you need to get rid of all these retailers and, and e-commerce sellers, because that really have a, a bad impact on your image. Or if you can start action at another level of the pyramid. For instance, if you are a consumer product manufacturer, you will probably get to a higher level of the pyramid. And once again, most of the companies are basically conducted action at the manufacturing level. But uh, sometimes it's difficult to operate uh, this type of decision, but you really need to think about it when you are starting your action. So. Putting an image to the problem really helps to take decision. So I would like to thank the law firm OneWeda IP for being the sponsor of this episode of Brand and New. Philippe, are there ways to make such steps particularly cost-effective and impactful? Yeah. The first things to do when you start an antique counterfeiting program, so even if you draw your pyramid and, and you have strategy in your mind, but the really first things to do is to rely on customs, customs uh, authorities all over the world. As you know, uh, Audrey, all country signatory of the World Trade Organization agreement are obliged to set in place a minimum number of measures in order to protect intellectual property rights. You know, that's what we call the TRIPS agreement. And, and in this agreement, there is nine articles related to the role of customs in the protection of these rights. So all signatory countries have a responsibility to put in place customs proceedings in order to stop fake products at the border of their country. 
which means that if you think about the number of signatory of the WTO agreement, it makes around more than 100 countries where you can use customs to fight against fake product. You also need to know that 70% of all counterfeit products seized in the world are seized by customs. So custom is really your very best friend. And you really need to spend time in putting in place your strategy with these authorities. That will be really, really helpful. And what is your role uh, in the definition and implementation of such anti-counterfeiting strategy? Well, <laughs> I'm there to assist companies in, def in defining their strategy basically, and putting in place all the tools I have just talked about. So I have a lot of uh, clients asking me to proceed to their uh, customs enforcement program, for instance. So we, we select countries, we select uh, products, we select brands, and, uh, and I put everything in uh, what we call in music. So uh, that's, that's what basically I'm, I'm doing. And uh, I'm also coordinating for my client investigation and action all over the world with local partners. So um, we are working closely, why I'm working closely with a lot of, of companies. And, and basically that's, that's my role. It's uh, really to assist companies in their anti-counterfeiting fight. Are there noticeable differences between anti-counterfeiting strategies and SME should implement if problems occur in Asia, in Latin America or in Eastern Europe, for instance? In other words, does the term one size fits all make sense there? Well, the, the general scheme in anti-counterfeiting fight remains the same. IP right protection, gathering of information, and then action. But each country has some specificity. So when it comes to the enforcement of the rights, in some countries like China, you have the possibility, for instance, to conduct both administrative action and, and legal action, judicial action. In other countries, for instance, it is better to do criminal proceeding rather than civil proceeding. So it's not the same patterns everywhere when you start to enter in the implementation of your rights. And generally, we can summarize this by the formula, sing globally, act locally. Okay, so do you have an example, Philippe? Well, let's, let's put a, a consumer goods manufacturer who has identified problems in the country, but unfortunately, they do not have any IP rights covering the product manufacturer in this country. How to do it? So globally speaking, you say, well, all the fake products are manufactured in this country, but I don't have any rights. What can I do? So locally speaking, what we have done is, of course, we were not able to enforce these rights, but we have been able to identify the counterfeiters and knowing that these counterfeiters were shipping their products everywhere in the world, we have conducted an investigation allowing us to identify containers when containers were shipped from the factory and stop the containers at their final destination. So we were really doing things like, uh, globally speaking, we were fighting against fake product and locally with the problems faced by the non-existence of rights, we have been able to conduct a very specific strategy in order to stop the goods when they were entering marketplace where 
rights were protected. So this is really something that you have to think when you are doing uh, anti-counterfeiting fight. Okay, it's very clear. Thank you very much, Philippe. Uh, now I have a few rapid-fire questions for you. The first one is a critical piece of advice for any small business totally new to IP and counterfeiting considerations. The best thing to do is to get in touch with, uh, with business association, if you are part of it. They generally have some policy or can provide you some information and, and assistance in, in the anti-counterfeiting fight. And also, I must say more and more now, also now government bodies. Government bodies are helpful and can really open doors. They are providing a lot of information, uh, which are generally good information. The main challenge in the near future for small brand owners uh, regarding anti-counterfeiting fight? The fight against fake products is always an, in evolution. You generally have new countries involved in the manufacture of fake goods. You have new means of sales. You, you have new means of transport. For instance, with the implementation of the Belt and Road Initiative by China, the transport by train now gives us a headache, a total headache. So to keep abreast of all this evolution is a real challenge. And this is probably what is the most difficult part of the, but also the most interesting one, I must say, in the antique counterfeiting fight. And the last one, the last book you have read and uh, that you would recommend? Well, it's not a new one, but I really uh, appreciated to read The Unmade Tale by uh, Margaret Atwood. It's something which uh, is totally dystopic, but absolutely brilliant and totally up to date. So uh, it's a really good one. Thank you so much, Philippe. Most welcome. My guest today was Philippe Van Ecoute, founder and CEO of Contratac, Placero, IP anti-counterfeiting. So I would like to thank the law firm OneWeda IP for being the sponsor of this episode of Brand and You. I am pleased to welcome Jason Yao, partner at OneWeda IP, sponsor of this episode of Brand and You. Jason, welcome. Thank you, Audrey. Very nice to be here. Jason, what would be the most important things you would recommend to SMEs in terms of trademark protection when they enter into a local market? First of all, they should always file trademark applications with the local trademark office as early as possible. And secondly, they'd better find a translation for their trademark so that the local consumers to communicate easily. Otherwise, the local consumers will name it in their own way and the copycats may file those names to hijack the reputation of the brand. Last but not least, it's very important to find a local council who are experienced and reputable. Don't try to save small money in the beginning, but create big trouble for the future. And how can SMEs effectively enforce their trademark rights in China? Most of the SMEs have a very limited budget for enforcement, so it's essential to spend their money smartly. Uh, nowadays, counterfeit products are mainly sold through online platforms. So it's very important for SMEs to have an aggressive online monitoring program to make sure infringing items will be taken down as soon as possible. 
We can also identify repeat offenders for offline enforcement actions through regular online monitoring. I believe this is a very effective strategy for SMEs to enforce their trademark rights in China and very cost effectively. So, Jason, can you tell us a little bit more about OneWeda IP? Sure. Yeah, OneWeda IP is a leading IP firm in China. Uh, we do only IP, but everything in IP.、Uh, we provide comprehensive services in trademark, copyright, and patent.、Uh, we do a lot of enforcement actions and a lot of litigations as well. We have been serving over a thousand clients, both international and domestic. We are、uh, very well respected by, by our clients as well as the other firms in China. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you so much, Audrey. Thank you for listening to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www. dot inta. dot org.